working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight for my monster from his slab began to rise and suddenly to my surprise he did the match he did the monster match the monster match it was a graveyard smash he did the match it caught on in a flash he did the match he did the monster match i think it's so funny that whenever I've been in a situation with how to help with computer problems and I succeed, all I did was I took the problem and I entered it into Google Mm -hmm. and I tried the three things that they said that Google said. Literally, that's what I do. That's Mickey How. Yeah. Literally, that's all I do. I just like, how do I do this? And the moment they're like, wow, you know so much about computers. I'm like, they see me reading it off the, my phone. I'm like, try this, click. I can only do it one step at a time. I yeah. can't remember, like, until that one step works. Yeah. I can't I can't do it. No. Otherwise. And then if it ever were to happen again, you'd have to Google it oh, again. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's gone. Well, I could probably do, like, the first two steps. Yeah. And then I'd be, like, totally lost. Do you think it would be worth it, though? Like, let's say it's $3,000. The only thing is I don't know if I could handle your face, like... Is it that bad without glasses? No, it's just, it's it's more of your face present. And, like, honestly, it's just, like, grow a goatee or something just to counterbalance I that. wish. I think that would improve my jawline. You are so blessed that you are a man because <laughs> you and I have the same jawline. This is, this is what you have, but you get to put a beard on it. Yes. Guys with weak chins. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, demure. Demure. Yeah. Yeah, muted. Muted chins? Yes. <laughs> um... <laughs> All right, it really helps. Thank you so much, Mom. Hey, do you guys need anything else? Let me know. Okay. Lots of money. Yeah. Yeah. For eye surgery. Pokey pokey. No, oh, really? What, you were Well, because we came? were talking about computers, and we were talking about how we're taught these things that we don't even fully comprehend, and we're dabbling in them, and oh, we're trying and to was... project ourselves into the future, and we're not realizing how we are making nature's inherent strands of connectivity crumble under the weight of our own self-possession. I was going to segue with it that I want to get eyeball surgery and then... Oh, okay. Like, there you go. You know, and then then I opened my notes and then I wanted to segue by saying that I cannot spell Frankenstein consistently. The The ending is, is a, always a E-I, but I spell it I-E and then I flip halfway through... And uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, also, I think it's interesting that my copy of Frankenstein has Boris Karloff essentially on it. Mm-hmm. When that's not at all how he's described looking in the book. Right. But it doesn't say like, oh, see the motion picture. But then it's the motion Well, I, I think Boris Karloff so, so encapsulated the, the role of Frankenstein. I think, yeah, I think that movie changed... Our perception of it. For sure. Of, of the book. For sure. So. Well, we're going to talk about that and other movies and the book and. Yeah. So. And wel- what the book means and how much we love this book. Yeah. Well, welcome to part two. Hello and welcome to the Ducks Never Waver Lunch Break, where you get food for thought and can rejuvenate to Sally Ford. Join the dynamic duo, Edwin and Megan, as they explore topics of gravitas and pomp brought to the 
brink of absurdity and thrown off, down, down, down the precipice of ridiculousness. Part two. Welcome to the podcast, first of all. Oh, hi. yes. I mean, we have a whole intro saying, like, hi, this is who we are, and blah, 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 and quack, 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 and... Do, 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 Are you glad I left the whole Menomina in? Yeah. You listen, You did listen to it, right? Wait, is that in Jack or... Decker and Mr. Yeah, Snickers? No. Snickers? <laughs> <laughs> you're not you when you're you're somebody else. Oh, that would actually be... I'm sure they've done that. Snickers commercial, where it's Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. Actually, but I don't know if they have. They, they got to talk to us as their marketing really team. Do. Yeah. We're geniuses. For sure. Literary geniuses. Where were we going with this? Um, Intro, thank you for coming. Yeah, oh, you were Please stick around. No, um, yeah, so I was like... It, it, it's like a real-time thank you, even though it's recorded at a previous date and... Only but, the names have been changed to protect the innocent and uh, th- that sort of thing. Uh, but here you are now in your time, and here we are in our time. And this is part two of our spooky of the party season. The first part, spooky season, and why we should stop teaching kids science. Is that your takeaway? Yes. <laughs> science is bad Uh, curiosity is bad Uh, okay uh, so (laughs) well that's not what I took away (laughs) so this is uh, so Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was the first part if you haven't listened to that uh, go ahead and do that not that they really fit together they just they don't hinge upon each other it's not Mm. like you could you you would not be confused any more so than normal by listening to this podcast now and then going back. True. Could we say that it's uh, unhinged? This entire situation, yes. I, yeah, it's, it's beyond me, at least. Um, <clears throat> so, Megan, we're talking you're about the one who Frankenstein has... by Mary Shelley, published first in 1818. So, it's, it's not super new. No. Does that change how we should view it? Well, should we be more patient with the? <laughs> okay, so should we do full disclosure here? Full disclosure. Uh, so we read this in school. Of course, we did. Uh, many many years ago, I think I was pick a number. I don't know how. What what number do you think I was? I'm going to guess you. I mu- I must have been thirteen, or fourteen. 13. I think I'm going to say 13. Makes more sense for, yeah, I think I was 10. That was the yeah. number I was going to say. Yeah. Okay. So I think I, we were about to. So it's, it's been a while. Uh, and now we're rereading it again, or we're supposed to reread it. I reread parts of it. Okay. Yeah. So kudos. But full disclosure, uh, we do not like this book. It's not our favorite book. It's really not our favorite book. In fact, I. I mean, you have to write a paper about what books you read, right? You need to do the essay questions, blah, 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 blah. And this was the only book I ever wrote a scathingly negative report on. I really, like, I never did that. 
even though it was really fun to write negative reviews, mm-hmm. I think it was like, it was a really short paragraph. I think it was maybe three sentences. Yeah. Compl- in my 10 year old way, completely belittling this book. I, w- I could, I wasn't able to find it in time for this yeah. podcast, but looking back, it's pretty hilarious, actually. Follow little Vicky, nerdy boy, who somehow, for some reason, thinks he's going to gain grandeur in his own time and for forever by bringing life to dead people. Yeah. And I, it, it, so it, it, it's, uh, it's not one of our favorites, and I, I think hopefully we can show um, our uh, deep maturity, yes, and that we're able to discuss something that we don't really like. And as as the critics say, still appreciate it for itself. <laughs> yes. Well, I think I think you'll find through our our discussion that I actually appreciate more what has happened after the book. The funny thing about this book. And I think this is part of what makes it a classic. And that's always an interesting thing when you talk about classic books. Yep. People are, have, have all heard about it, even if they haven't read it. They're like, that's oh, right. I know that's a book. And Generally know that there's a monster. They might think the monster is named Frankenstein. Frankenstein. I have one question, Dr. Frankenstein. That's Frankenstein. But, you know... They're going to know there's a monster. He came yeah. to life. There was some electricity going yeah. on. Yeah. And that's about it. Bad things happen. Yeah, Monsters. exactly. But you know it's a book. And you know it's a classic. Yeah. It's always interesting to discuss what makes it a classic. And one of the things I think that makes it a classic is how teachable it is. There are some books that I find less fulfilling to read, but is on every curriculum. Scarlet Letter. Yeah. And you're like, why is it there? Or like Lord of the Flies. Yeah. You're like, why is it there? It's not really that great to read. And I think it's because it's really easy to teach. Or it's really fun to teach, at least. Like, I don't know. Like, nothing's easy to teach. But it's fun to teach because... There's so many tangible things that you can take a very historical side and you can say like, oh, look how this ties into Rousseau and how this is coming out of the Enlightenment and how it's looking forward to this and how it's the first science fiction novel and how it's one of the first novels as we have it today. Like that whole genre was new and, you know, you take the whole, uh, you know, you have Percy Shelley and you have Lord Byron connections, so you can take a very historical view of it. You can take... Uh, the view of like, oh, how, what is the responsibility of the maker? Like, what, what is Frankenstein's responsibility to the creature? You can look at all the family relationships. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things to discuss. And I was actually listening to the Great Books podcast by John J. Miller, which is a really great podcast to get the lowdown on these classics, on these great books. And I, they were discussing it, and I was like, oh, man, this is such a cool book. When I had literally just reread it and been like, nah, it kind of falls short. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like, the way they're discussing it, and I'm like, why Why is it not in the, in the prose for me? We can get into why it doesn't get... Get, quite get there for the pros, but I do like discussing it. I do think it's a cool 
book to to discuss. And I don't think necessarily. I don't I don't like saying like oh you have to bear with it because of of time. I just don't like this time period. You just don't like romanticism. I don't like romanticism, and I I don't think I don't like the overly drawn uh, prose. I guess you would say like that the the like, flowery nature. I, Not flowery. I, like, I don't think flowery is right because I do like wordy words. Like mm-hmm. I'm okay with reading a lot of words. I went everybody's head about the bird. But if, for me, it's not it, even a huge book. It's not. It's a very short book, and it feels redundant. And I think that's what it, it, a lot, some of it feels redundant. Like mm-hmm. when Victor Frankenstein is wandering around in the mountains, and he's like, "Oh, the mountains, the mountains, the sublime, the mountains." Yes. It felt like that went on for a long time. It didn't, but it felt really long. Yeah. And like it's that sort of stuff that kind of weighed it, down the book as a whole. But then again, somebody could say, "Well, maybe that's the feeling of being in the Alps." tired and overwhelmed and or not not overwhelmed but like tired and like sick of it yeah no i i think so because also you got the word sublime has yeah. changed since this was written oh sure well, that that is and this is a good example of that of that feeling that people were trying to feel yeah there was that desire for this and actually the desire uh, of these spooky stories yeah uh you know this came about that uh Mary and her, I think they were married at this point, Shelley, yeah. Percy Shelley, and then Lord Byron and this, this doctor friend of his, they were all in uh, Geneva yeah, or in that general area. They're in the Alps. And they're like, hey, we got nothing to do. And, and so like, oh, we should all write spooky stories. And is really typical of like I think Lord Byron is accredited with coming up with this idea. He got like I don't know like a thousand words in, gave up, and other people tried, and like the the doctor dude he tried, and they all gave up, and like Mary is the only one who actually did, okay. did the assignment, which I think is really funny because there's always that group you know when you're with people oh right oh you know like oh this would be so cool this would be so cool and you're like yeah yeah yeah, let's go do it and then there's only like and then you guys all come back and the one person who actually did is all excited like oh what did you do and they're like ah i got sick of it (laughs) and they're like i spent all night on this and and for mary it was literally all night she said that she got this in a a dream a, a wakeful dream a nightmare or does that just add to the spookiness? I, th- I mean, it adds to the spookiness, but as someone who... Is it lucid dreaming? Yes. As someone who lucid dreams, I can understand that happening. Mm-hmm. My wife does that as well, and her dreams are pretty crazy. Yeah, they, they are really weird. Mm-hmm. I wish I could control them more, but it depends. Yeah. It depends on how awake you are. Let's dig in a little bit. Yeah. How does the book open? What are, how, how are we supposed to, what's our view as listener to this, this uh, tale? Yeah, so what's actually interesting about this book 
is that you have three narrators. That's something we discussed in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Multiple narrators. It opens with a framing device of Captain Walton. It starts with Walton talking to his sister, and he's going on and on about, oh, I wish I had a friend. And he, he talks about how he's an autodict and he's not really respected for the things he knows. And he's like, I'm going to go on this voyage and I'm going to show them. Yep. And, I, and it's the age of adventuring. They're off to the North Pole. There we go again, Junior. We're off on the road to Morocco. Yes. And try to find the passage through yes. the North Pole. And then through the ice comes Frankenstein. Victor Frankenstein. And that... And as, uh, okay, so I really want to talk about the movies. Yes. <laughs> but I feel like we have to talk about the book first. Yeah. Because I feel like every moment could have been more exciting. In the book. In the book. Because he's just floating on a piece of ice and they're like, oh, look, let's... let's grab him and pull him up here and he's half dead like there's not like you would think it'd be like i mean they do kind of like wonder like oh what's that there it could have been more but he, he he's almost half dead though yes yeah but the sailors who pick him up aren't in any moral peril and no it is, there's it's it's kind of like the thing to do is just to pick him up now yeah his his sled dogs only one is alive yeah so that's a bit creepy yeah what what do you think is the connection with Walton and the rest of the story? Like we've mentioned before, like sometimes there's framing devices that literally have nothing to do with with anything, or we can't figure it out. At least like Taming of the Shrew, right. framing device that doesn't even really frame because I don't. Think yeah, it's a very open ended frame because you don't get back to it. He doesn't, he doesn't go it. back to it, so it, it's like. One of those cool frames where it's like the two sides and then just yeah. the glass hanging. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which I don't know how they do that. It looks really cool. Yeah, it it is cool. It also is unsettling. So it's very interesting. It's I, I was just thinking. It's, well, that's that works well for this topic. Yeah. Okay. But like talking about frames that aren't completely framing. Yeah. Just as a little design thing, I was thinking about this. Like, why would you do that? Because. Framing, of course, is to, to draw pull your eye to the pull center. your eye in to what's framed without uh, it, it's it's a way of like centering it, like you say, yeah. in your vision and but also just setting it in the room and, yeah. and with proportion Cause, too. Because really, if you have it just hanging on two sides, you're actually going to focus on the point exactly. that doesn't have the frame on it. Yeah, and it, it's very interesting that you do that and then you're focusing less on what's framed and more I on mean, the thing. I mean, you could do something tremendously cheeky where you have that frame and you have like a piece of art in that frame and then there's like a dot right behind the point. Yeah. And then you send everybody through that room, and then you ask someone to, like, say, like, what design was in the room. Yeah. That would be really interesting. That would be. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm it's, just it's saying an it, anti-frame. It's, frame. it's an anti-frame. And Can we spell it, it like that? The anti-frame. Yeah. <laughs> but, Have a crappy piece of art. Put it in this frame, and no one will be able to see it. <laughs> it's the anti-frame. If only it worked that way. But what's interesting it's, is it doesn't, it doesn't lead to a comfortable feeling room. Mm-hmm. 
right? It, it's unsettling. Mm-hmm. So people are going to look at it. But so it we should do a painting of a scene from Frankenstein and put it in the unsettling frame. Yes, we should. That could be the alt, like the competing business. That's the same business. Like we, we have. Okay. I, I hear you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're supposed to connect the framing device. Anyways. But is, is does this framing vi- device wrap up at the end? Yes. Well, there you go. It's a good framing device then. <laughs> but I think your question about Walton, he is, of course, who Frankenstein is just yeah. further back along his approach. Yeah, and so Frankenstein is a warning book. Yes. Beware, beware, uh, because and but the thing is, is that a warning only works to my way of thinking in a literary sense if there's someone in the book you're warning. Yeah. Uh, yes, it warns the audience reading, but if there's not a conduit for warning, yeah, it kind of falls flat. It does, and, and so, so he is. Walton is is both a young Frankenstein, but he's also us. Yeah. So he is, he talks to his sister, but then he writes down Frankenstein. So Frankenstein just pours his, his guts out, out to him and he's mm-hmm. like, okay. Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus is actually the full title of the book. Okay. Can you think of, like, let's see if you know your, your Greek mythology. Yeah. So how would you connect it to Prometheus? Well, I mean, he is trying to steal God's thunder. Yeah. I the, if if you th- the nice thing about this book or the the fun thing to think about this book is is how does the creator relate relate to the created and vice versa? Yeah. What is the responsibility of the created to the creator and how are we as created beings supposed to react to nature? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And nature's God, as they probably would have put it at that point in time. Because yeah, and it's interesting. At this point, actually, uh, I, I believe that Mary Shelley was an atheist. Like, she grew up yeah. atheist. And so it was later in life that she believed. Yes. Uh, and, and so she's asking all these interesting questions uh, without... More, like, as a cultural thing. Yes. Than as, like... A theological statement, maybe. Well, yeah, it's it's not a theological book, mm-hmm. but I, I think those questions come about, and I think that's why it's also a classic. You're asking about that because it does yeah. ask some really real questions about humanity. Yeah. It does, it does. It asks those base like hum, human questions, and it's it's interesting that those questions are brought up by the monster, by the creature, and we'll get we'll get into that in a second. But go, going back to Prometheus. So Prometheus brought fire to man and was punished by by Zeus because the gods did not think that man could handle having fire, should not have that. So it's like also it's like the man's trying to get something that they shouldn't have, right? So it's like that Frankenstein kind of like grasping at the knowledge and the science that he, he shouldn't. Uh, so it's that, that idea of, like, human striving and scientific discovery, but can you actually handle it? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! But also, 
there's another story of Prometheus, which isn't quite as, as known, but that uh, I believe Ovid and Plato told, and others, uh, is that Prometheus fashioned men out of clay, out of the mud. And he, and Prometheus gave them the fine arts so that they would be distinguished from other animals. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's this idea of Prometheus the creator. And all this, like this whole story of uh, Prometheus is that he has this response, like he, he has this responsibility to man, but he tries to run away from it and then he feels bad and then he does it and then he gets punished and then, you know, he just gets tangled up in something that he didn't think through. Yes. Essentially. Uh, and so I think that idea too of that he's a creator, Prometheus is a creator, I think ties into what she was yeah, talking about there. And that's, uh, that, that's, I think that's the big point of the book is don't abdicate your responsibility. And also don't meddle with things you don't fully understand. Yes. And I don't think she is saying, like I said at the beginning, but she she's not saying not to explore and discover and create. Right. I think her point is to say you should do that knowing that you are responsible for what you find out. You better think about what you're saying. You better think about the consequences of your actions. Oh, shut up, woman. You better think. And I think there's even a line there, or maybe I just wrote this down. Uh, but once you know something, you cannot unknow it. Yeah. And that is dangerous. And I think that's always the struggle with studying or trying to grasp at wisdom. It's like, do you really want to know? I think that's the great thing in The Untouchables, uh, that Elliot Ness... Uh, played by Kevin Costner goes up to this this guy the the old uh, Irish is he Irish or Scott yeah, Irish I believe Scott uh, he Irish uh, beatman yeah uh, policeman he's, officer. so played by Sean Connery uh, that he you know and he's talking to him like I don't I don't know how to get Capone like nobody's helping me how do I get Capone and this guy laughs at him he's like everybody knows how to get Capone it's just are you willing to do what it takes you said you wanted to know have to get the Capone. Do you really want to get him? You see what I'm saying? What are you prepared to do? Everything within the law. And then what are you prepared to do? If you open the ball on these people, Mr. Nash, you must be prepared to go all the way. Because they won't give up the fight until one of you is dead. I want to get Capone. I don't know how to get him. Want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. And that's how you get Capone. Yeah. And so it's that mixture of knowledge, but the action that follows it. Does mm-hmm. that kind of make, does that connection make sense? Because yeah. it's like, what are you, because then, then, then he asks him, what are you willing to do? And he's like, well, everything in the lot. No, then what are you willing to do? Yeah. And Frankenstein is a character that is not willing to do any of it. He is obsessed with making this thing. And then as soon as it blinks, his yellow eyes open. He's like, I'm out of here. I'm checking out. Yes. Oh, no. What have I done? Yeah. And 
that I think that's that's the fascinating thing in this book and the thing that makes Frankenstein so pathetic as a person. Oh, the character Frankenstein is just miserable to behold. That's another misconception too. It's like you get into it and it's just Frankenstein going blah 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 blah. And you're like, wow, I'm really not into this guy. And then you get to the center of the book where it's the narration of the creature. He yes, tells Frankenstein, look, this is what life has been like for me since you yeah. made me. And you just ran away and hid under your covers in your bed. Yep. Like, th- this is what's happened to me. That is the most uh, heartfelt it's the most it's, human it's part. It's the most human part, and it's the most connected you feel to a character. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I, that is a, in, intentional, for yeah. sure. That you are, like, the, the, the creature is asking all the questions that we ask. Like, who am I? Uh, how, how Where do, do I, I belong? Where do I belong? Like, how does this world work? Like, I don't get it. And, and that's... The questions we ask, and I think it's, 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 it is cool how we are connected to the monster more than Frankenstein. Yeah. Friend. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the monster uh, or the creature. Uh, the, the, he has no name, yep. which I think is very important. Well, because he, how, he can't name himself. No. And Victor doesn't, doesn't give him a name. Exactly. And so that's so, one failing of the creator. Yeah. Is he didn't he didn't name. And uh how how would you describe the monster's uh retelling of what's happened to him? Like would you say that he is you know monosyllable is he is like, irrational what, is he rational is he Oh, he's just human. So he he's he's he feels emotion but he has rationality rational thought Mm -hmm. he's cognizant of what's happening i think he's more rational than frankenstein frankenstein is just flipping out and having the vapors all the time and he's just like going back and forth back and forth on what he's doing whereas yeah the monster is much more clear and concise he's very articulate yeah and uh, i find that too interesting that he's kind of in some ways, surpasses Frankenstein. Yeah. The the creature is also like very empathetic. Like he, when he's he's um, at the cottage, right, and the people are uh, working so hard, and he doesn't realize that he's taking food out of their mouths because he's just taking their food, and then he's like all of a sudden like learning like oh these people are you know really hungry, and then he's working so hard, and so he chops all the wood for them, mm-hmm. and they're like wow it's the wood spirit. He's actually looking out for other people than himself. Like, he he cares about people. Uh, But he's also just kind of like, he's like a newborn. He doesn't understand. He doesn't know how it works. Well, I wrote down this thing, and it really goes nowhere, I don't think. But there's part of me that kind of thinks that she takes a Pelagian view. Because it seems like the monster is innocent, but it's the cruelty of the family when they see him, when he reveals himself. And obviously the blind man is kind to him because he can't see the ugliness. Mm-hmm. And then 
the rest of the family follow and they're like, ah, get out of here. And they, they, they run away. Like they go to a different land. Like they, they leave the cottage and everything. And that's when he snaps and he says, that is what made me a monster. That is what. Yeah. And I, but like, that very much kind of like that idea of like, he learned it from others. Oh, it's that, it's that Rousseauian idea that every man was born free. Okay. So that's, but but it's civilization that puts him into chains and makes him into the monster and, and brings evil into the world. So you would say that the monster or the creature is is a Rousseauian noble savage. Yes. Okay. That's what I argued twenty no something. Twenty five years ago. No, like <laughs> How old are you? Not that old. How old does that make me? I don't <laughs> wanna know. <laughs> that was the line of, of the oh, the book review okay, the, the was, essay I had okay, I so wrote. You tied yeah. it to he is He's the noble savage, and then it's the others that have destroyed him. Yes, exactly. And so in that way, like, you you would argue that he is part of nature, whereas, like, Victor is is terrified of of nature. Yeah. He's always cowering from the mountains, feeling the sublime. He's cowering from everything. (laughs) Literally everything. Even the woman he loves. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, Elizabeth, no! (laughs) Should I want to help you now? (laughs) Just tell me what's wrong. No! <laughs> but uh, the monster, he listens to the birds singing. He sees that the beautiful, you know, he, he expresses joy at seeing the seasons change. Something that I don't do. Yeah. Um, he, he loves the music from the birds singing. and the music from the man's flute and so he's like oh this like he's he's idealized yes okay so that's that Rousseauian idea. I think so yeah. okay yeah yeah well, well that would make perfect sense uh, but um, I think that was really interesting about him is that he reads three books or excerpts of three books uh, but the I would say the most important one that he reads is Paradise Lost. Yeah. And, of course, that's the whole creation story, and then... By Milton. By Milton, John Milton, and uh, Satan's Fall, and how Adam and Eve are cast out of the garden. Epic poem. Does does Victor Frankenstein remind you a bit of the Adam character in Paradise Lost? I haven't read... I've only read a f- few small excerpts of Paradise Lost, so I can't you attest to that. You know, that's interesting that you say that, because I wasn't making that connection, but there is a certain... Patheticness? <laughs> yeah. Where it's Adam fully ate the fruit, mm-hmm. and then he's right away like, um, it was everybody else but me, yeah. right? Yeah. He doesn't take any responsibility Yeah. for what he did so in that way yeah i can see i can see that that connection reflection there. yeah no that would totally work and i it, it, and I, I think it works too because the monster says well i was supposed to be adam you made me mm-hmm. so let's say you're god you made me i i'm adam but you made me the angel that was cast out. You kicked me out. Mm. 
of the garden. You made me evil. the evil one. Mm-hmm. You have made me like this. Uh, again, like the the monster puts all the blame of like these evil things that I've done. It's it's because you made me like this because you kicked me out. Mm-hmm. Again, kind of like a like a ancient ancient Greek yeah. in a way. Like Victor uh, exposes the baby. Like he's like just lets the baby go out yeah. and. And it, hope it dies. And then that's the question too. Is like that's how, how is, that's the question about reality that Shelley's asking is like how, if there if there's a good God, how can He let evil into the world? Mm-hmm. So like, but on a very human plane. Right. Right. So obviously Victor has responsibility because he did make these choices. Because Victor's not actually God. Right, but he's playing God, and, that's and I think, the and I think that's yeah. the Prometheus. Like, is Prometheus playing with the God's fire? Yeah. Like, what what happens when you play with the fire? You get, get burned. Yeah, get your liver eaten every day. Yeah, I just think it's so cool how the hierarchy of organs in me- medicine back then mm-hmm. was like your liver. Well, I mean, they didn't like, understand that it was super important. I know. And it is. it does regenerate to a small degree. Yes, and they knew that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's amazing. Mm-hmm. That, and then I think of the painting by Rubens yeah. in the Philadelphia Art oh. Museum. What I'm a painting, a, right? I'm not a huge Rubens fan, but But that, dude, he nailed that one, right? Dude. Yeah. Dude need, needed to compete more often because he competed with the other guy. And at Philadelphia, they ha- usually have it opposing walls. Right. And the other guy, he did it crazy technical. It looked like it's popping. It's like popcorn in 3D. <laughs> God, your popping corn is 3D. Ah, the corn is popping in your face in 3D. Mm. Yeah, but, but Chef, that's not how 3D works. Oh, never ooh, mind. Ooh, ooh. You know, it's like it's this like bust that's set in, and then there's this huge flower wreath around it, and it looks like the wreath is popping off, and like the, the anyways, it's really technically great. Yeah. And then you have Rubens that is just twisted muscle, and the eagle coming in, and it's dark and moody, and there's just like the ripping of flesh and the agony on Prometheus' face. You're like, Aah! yes. It was sublime. Yes, you may say so. I may say so because it, it, it was actually in the in the term that we're talking about here in the sense. Should we of talk about how the, the word sublime sure. has changed? Go, go for it. Okay, so sublime now we kind of have debased it to mean. We'll hear a lot about food. Oh, that was sublime. simply sublime, which we really mean as like really, 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 really good. I feel like it's usually used in desserts as well. It's like oh, it was sublime. But sublime is the feeling of being overwhelmed and not in a good way. Mm-hmm. It's being overpowered, overshadowed, and completely smothered. Your existence mm-hmm. is seen to be ground down. Almost yeah. like your existence is less than meaningless in juxtaposition to the right. sublime. Yep. Right, so the sublime of the Alps, how great they are, makes man feel so minuscule and inept. Mm-hmm. That's what sublime is. Yeah, and I, I, what I always think is interesting about that because what you ne- you you describe there would have quite a negative connotation. You would think that yes. it goes that way, but it, it is 
in a funny way, is like they almost wanted it. Yes. To be that way. They're like, ooh. I don't <sighs> know. Like, it's like, I, I guess it's the people who watch the horror movies. Like, they like to be scared. Yeah. I guess this was kind of like their feeling that they were seeking after. Yeah. The sublime. The, the, the thrill. The thrill of it. Uh, oh, my my existence is meaningless and over overshadowed <laughs> by nature. But I think it, there is a tie, though, to beauty. But like it's like yeah, that but scary, almost in a like, grotesque yeah, way. Yeah, in, in the grotesque way, absolutely. But like where it's like the beauty is too big and too overwhelming. Yes. it's like a, a little daisy I can handle, but the icy glaciers of the Alps I can't. Yeah, and the far-stretching expanses of ice in the North Pole. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, death, 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 death. <laughs> Let's get down to brass tacks. Yeah, come on now. Oh, I have here like, an- another way to like say that uh, he calls the mountains or palaces of nature. Uh, so that's like a symbol of, of power. Uh, it's like beautiful, majestic, but could kill you in any moment. And it's usually pretty chilly and goosebump-inducing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the monster, the creature... Don't you find it very hard not to call the monster <sighs> Frankenstein? It is hard... Never like, given him a name. He's in never the book. given a name, and that is hard when talking about. He's it. Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, the monster starts killing off Frankenstein's family. Mm-hmm. The first one he kills is his brother Willie, and that's to get Frankenstein's attention. Of like, I'm I'm in your vicinity, like mm-hmm. I'm around, and then. Uh, the, the, basically the nanny of the boy, Justine, was, like, not framed for murder, but they, they're just like, oh yeah, well, it was you. It It was her fault. It was her fault. And we'll get more into that with the movie, because I, 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 there's some interesting changes in the movie with that. She's hanged. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Then he kills his friend, Henry Clervis, and that's, that's after he has said to Frankenstein, look, you need to make Eve. I need to be Adam. You made me to be Adam. You cannot treat me like the fallen angel. Mm-hmm. You need to take responsibility. You better think about what you're saying. You better think about the consequences of your actions. You need to make me Eve, and we will go off and never be seen. We'll go to South America, and you'll never hear of us again. What do you think of, like, do you do you remember Victor's, like, reaction? He's like, no, 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember <laughs> That's a horrible idea. No, that's disgusting. Oh, that's horrible. Okay, fine. <laughs> I guess it makes sense. <laughs> so what would you have done? I would have killed him. He tried. You know, right away when he was still weak. You would You would have been like, oh, yeah, I, I just created life. Well, if I had the ex- extreme horror in creating life that yeah, he Yeah, but had. it didn't catch up to him right away. Like... Oh, he huddled in his bed right away. Yeah, but he was hoping, I don't know what he was hoping. Hoping it would just go away. Go away. <laughs> I don't know. Cuz it's not like the making of the monster honestly it's is well written on like the twitch of the hand, the opening of the eyelid. But you could misread it as like Victor waking up after his afternoon nap. Yeah. Like it is very docile. Yeah. It is very much like and all of a sudden, there's a monster. 
Like, there's no flipping of the switch. There's no, even though electricity is, is, is mentioned earlier, there's no, like, oh, electrical. Impulses. That is, that is all from the 1931 movie Frankenstein. Yeah. Which is tremendous. Like, just the, the, the artistic liberties they took with it, and they made it something so cool. I love that movie. Yeah. It's so good. But it's not, not Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Right. And there's like, it's just so docile. But then he's like, all of a sudden, like, shivering and just like goes to his bed. I'm like, oh, I, I can't deal with this anymore. I, yeah. just, I just can't even. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he seems like. <laughs> but uh, you're asking me, what would I do? Yeah, what would you do? <laughs> if you had gotten to the point where you're talking face to face and you, you heard the whole story of the monster, yeah. What would you do? Heck, he did it once. He can do it again, I guess. So he says he'll do it, and I'm he, he the, procrastinates. The, the question I have, I don't know if it's the right question to have, but, like, could they breed? Well, that is Frankenstein's very question. And he agrees, and then he's like, oh, if we have one monster and two monsters, they can make more monsters. Right. Uh, and so he all of a sudden is terrified of filling the earth with... Monsters. Monsters. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. It caught on in a flash. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. I don't know. Monster, I mean, monster Creatures. Meant, Creatures, yeah. Meant, um, like, a marvel as well. Like, you know, you could say, like, oh, it's a monster. Oh, like, it's monstrous. Yes. Uh, but you have... Well, how would he not know whether they could have children or not it was all an experiment he's a doctor <laughs> i don't he, know there's just there's ways why why put those parts on you know what i'm saying <laughs> we we know what you're saying edwin we <laughs> wish you hadn't but we know <laughs> he he's a doctor for crying out loud well, the thing is is what kills me too and this is also in all of the movies one thing they they kept consistent for some reason is Here's this doctor spending months and months and months and months making this thing. He knows exactly. He looks at it every day. He knows what it looks like. And then as soon as it moves around, he's like, it's hideous. <laughs> yeah, just it's do a better so... job on your stitching. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, why do you think it's so ugly? It's so weird to me. Like, that all of a sudden he's freaking out about how ugly it is. Doesn't like... he talk about how beautiful it is? Well, when it's Be dead. Yeah, beforehand, right? Yeah. He's really, he's really amazed with himself, right? Yeah, yeah. And then as soon as it's alive... It's alive. Oh, it's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's hideous. So I don't, I don't know if it's because it scares him all of a sudden how much power he has. Mm-hmm. And that was ugly. I don't know what makes it ugly. But anyways, he's terrified of this. And then he's terrified of the monsters recreating themselves. That's the mother. Mm. Like, having little monsters. Yes. Um, <laughs> Procreating. Procreating. Thank you. That's literally the word I wanted to say, and I couldn't, and that was embarrassing. <laughs> but Frankenstein procrastinates, and he's like, oh, I got to go off to England so I can be able to do this. Didn't have to do that last time, but apparently he needed more information on how to make a woman. I okay. guess they're more complicated. Well, you know? that does make sense. That makes sense. You know, you got to go to England. I don't know. Get some ideas of stuff. How can I make this attitude... You know, conv like honestly, he should try to just talk the monster out of it. 
I know. He's like, it's really not all as cracked up to be. I'm being forced into this marriage with my sister cousin thing that isn't related to me at all, but is, and then is really weird and feels incestuous, but it's not, but it's fine. It's not really. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good way to describe it. Feels incestuous, but it's not. Well, maybe it is just a little bit. If it feels that way, is it? But we don't know. I don't again I think a lot of actually the relationships of like oh there's lots of you know they're one family but there's lots of different parents involved with all the siblings uh, goes back to Shelley's uh, childhood mm. so I encourage you guys to, to dig into that because that's pretty interesting stuff it's uh, yeah messed up messed up <laughs> lots of suicides and lots of mistresses and huh. other other yeah lovers and stuff like that so he goes he, off oh, to he goes off to england and then that's where henry henry dies uh F- victor is blamed for his death which i think again he's held in prison for the death and he's like i didn't do it i didn't do it i'm like yeah but you kind of did yeah, you brought this all about. Exactly. So who's responsible for this murder? Is it mm-hmm. Frankenstein or is it the creature? And then the, the you know, and all through this, the, the, the creature has been threatening, I will be with you on your wedding night. Mm-hmm. Which Victor takes to mean, oh, he's going to try to kill me on my wedding night. Mm-hmm. And... What the creature meant, and I think it meant the entire time, oh, I'm going to kill Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happens. Um, and it, it does happen in, I think, all the movies where they lock, where, where Frankenstein locks Elizabeth in her room and the monster gets in, gets in the room and kills her. Yeah. Uh, so I was kind of like, and then I'm like, why, why did you lock her in? Like, <sighs> I don't know. Again, he wasn't really thinking. But then again, it, it, he is also the, the, the creature who has really, really strong and probably... Yeah, he doesn't feel cold as well. Like, yeah. he's he's strong and, yeah, there's some interesting things that make him a little bit better than Didn't, your average. He's yeah. really, he's like, he's huge and scary and really hard to miss until he's, like, sneaking onto boats all the time <laughs> and, like, just ends up, like, in England and nobody knows about it. Yeah. So there's that. He's kind of like Sasquatch. <laughs> sure. Sure, he's Sasquatch. Um that brings us to him chasing uh Frankenstein through the through the uh, Wait, does the monster chase Frankenstein through the No, he, Frankenstein I follows. Follows him. Yeah. Yeah, trying to Cuz it doesn't but, the monster kind of have it like once he kills Elizabeth, it's kind of well, that's the interesting thing. It's a, it's a futile creation, as I titled it here. Look at that. It's a futile creation. So, so Frankenstein adds, creates to the world, and yet everything that he loves and has in his world is taken away from him. Mm-hmm. He makes something alive. He makes the creature alive, and now everything he loves is dead. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a decreation, ultimately, and I think that idea, and, and that also now they're there, and for the the creature, he's like, 
He's longing for this connection, for this family. He wants to be part of, like, this life that Frankenstein has. And he ends up conjoined to the person he hates. Yeah. And, like, mutually, like, it's like they hate each other so much that they're so linked together now. Yeah, their lives are wrapped up in each other. Yeah, because he's leaving, like obvious trails for Frankenstein to follow and Frankenstein impulsively has to follow. Like he just yeah. like, that's now they're linked there. That that's because there's nobody else in the world for them. Yeah. So there's no, Oh, I'll start a new life for Frankenstein. It's like yeah. this, this is the end. I thought that it was interesting that Walton says towards the end, you throw a torch into a pile of buildings and when they have consumed, you sit among the ruins and lament the fall. Hypocritical fiend. Who do you think he the statement applies to? Possibly himself. Mm. To Walton? Yeah. Okay. Because he's the one who said he doesn't care how many lives it takes for him to find the passage through the North Pole. Mm-hmm. So he's musing upon himself. Yeah, and- okay. And upon. Because he says it to the creature. So this is Frankenstein's dead. Mm-hmm. And the creature is lamenting over him. And uh, he's saying that about, like, oh, you torch a pile of buildings. How can like, He's saying, like, how can you mourn the death of this guy? But I think it applies more to Frankenstein. Well, it's like pro- he, it applies to almost all the characters. It, can, in the it book. does. I think that's interesting. Like that, Walton says it. Like, oh, you, you are a hypocritical fiend to the beast. But I'm like, it's kind of all of you. <laughs> yeah. Where you torch a pile of buildings, like you set fire and you run away, and you think, oh, okay, it's gonna be fine. And then you look back and you're like, oh, boohoo. What have I done? Yeah. What have I done? Right? When you know what fire does. And again, that tide of fire, like Prometheus giving the fire. Yeah. And the creature's like, well, he does a little bit of like, well, at least you had a prime. Yeah. You know, he's like, yeah, even that enemy of God and men had friends and associates in his desolation. I am alone. Uh, So then he he drifts off into, into the night and that is the end of the book. So... We've talked a little bit about Frankenstein, the movie, 1931, uh, really briefly. It's, it's the one that has, has come up with the idea of grave robbing. There's no grave robbing in the book. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh, I needed materials and I got some. Uh, whereas this is the elaborate of finding the fresh brain and, you know, it, he, he sends his assistant to get a, a healthy well-adjusted brain and he ends up with an abnormal brain yeah now that brain that you gave me was it hans delbrooks no ah good uh would you mind telling me whose brain i did put in and you won't be angry i will not be angry Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. Abby normal. I'm almost sure that was the name. 
Are you saying that I put an abnormal brain into a seven and a half foot long, 54 inch wide gorilla? Is that what you're telling me? Watch the opening really oversized crosses everywhere. And just really interesting visuals with that. Uh, and then the, the huge set piece of the, you know, it's alive, it's alive. Now I know how God feels for I am like God. And mm -hmm. that's where you get all these really like that, that really hyper dramatic of it's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. Yeah, that's not in the book. No. Uh, and in the elaborate set pieces showing the creation of the creature. Yes. Oh, it goes into great depth about that. Um, There's whirly gigs and stuff mm -hmm. going everywhere. Yes. Yeah, he says, like, the body has not lived. I created it and stuff. Like, now I know what it feels like to be God. And so I, I think it's, it's really worth watching. I think there's some kooky things. Like, they changed the name of, of Frankenstein to Henry. And Clervis to, to be Victor. So I don't know if they thought, oh, leading men can't be named Victor. <laughs> I don't know why they did that. Um, they probably and, just got mixed up one day on the script. Yeah, like, and they're like, oh, we already shot a scene like that. So we'll just yes, keep it. Yes, we'll just keep going with it. And there's a lot of focus on hands. And like the, the, the monster like looking at his hands and looking at the other hands and like, oh this work and mm -hmm. uh just wonderful performance by boris karloff and i like that in the opening credits they just go monster dot 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 question mark and then at the end like they, they reveal who the actor was but i i thought that was a nice touch of them yeah like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh but and, and again like um really focusing on machinery uh because because they have the monster dying in a in a windmill Right. That the the villagers set a fire. Like, so there's a kerfuffle. The monster kills Frankenstein. Like, he throws his body and the wheel catches it. And I was like, oh. And then, and then the villagers burn the monster. So, again, kind of like that returning to machinery, right? You have the yeah, cogs technology. and the wheels and the technology and then all of that. Um, if, you, if you enjoy that movie, you definitely, definitely, definitely need to watch Young Frankenstein. Because Young Frankenstein is more of a spoof on that movie and Bride of Frankenstein than the book itself. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's one of the funniest movies. Young Frankenstein. Yeah, I... Frankenstein. You, you... I have one question, Dr. Frankenstein. That's Frankenstein. You've noticed we've probably quoted it a bunch in this one, but we've quoted it a lot before. If you've ever heard, Destiny, Destiny, no, no escaping, Destiny, 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 no escaping, not for me. You win, you win, I give. I'll say it, I'll say it, I'll say it. Destiny, Destiny, no escaping, that's for me. Destiny, destiny, no escaping, that's for me, destiny, destiny, no escaping, no. So, uh, yeah, we love that movie. But is it eminently quotable? Oh, yeah. 
Stay close to the candles. The staircase can be treacherous. <laughs> uh, so, but let's talk about a movie that apparently a lot of people don't either know about, or if they do know about it, they don't like. They don't like it. Uh, yeah. So the I critics, just found out about it, but I can't believe the people critics don't. do not did not like it. I don't know how they feel about it now if it's going to have a resurgence, and it, it's not done great. With the viewers, like if you go like on Rotten Tomatoes, it's like not great. Really? Yeah. I am surprised. So we are, yeah, go ahead. We're talking about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein directed by Kenneth Branagh with uh, Branagh acting as Victor Frankenstein, Robert De Niro as the creature. So this is Branagh's interpretation of the book. Yeah. But yeah, it is not... Typically well regarded as, as as one of Branagh's great movies as... Yeah, Edwin's face is shocked. And I, I was shocked to find that out, too. I, there's, like, one slightly draggy portion of the of the movie. And... Which one would you say is that? Just kind of before he gets married. Mmm. It, it's not much. It's just kind of like... It's just just a little bit. Really? It's not even that bad. It's just because the, the rest of the movie is so, so consistently yeah uh, paced and yeah. tense. Yeah. But it's it's crazy that people don't like it because it really makes you like the book more, even though you're like, oh wow. I think bold statement coming your way. I think Branna was able to understand the book. And make the book better. Oh, yeah. I think this is one case where the movie is better than the book. By far. But, and yet he's very true to the book. Yeah. He picks up all these themes, all these ideas. He makes it concise and he makes it exciting. You know... When there's, you know, the struggle on the ship, it's not just like docile writing letters. It's then they see this looming figure trudging along and he's like, his his beard is caked in ice. And yeah, there's always something happening. And then the ice starts to crack and they pull him up. And, you know, there's all this excitement and this drive and this energy to it and I think Branagh is just he, he really nails the visuals as well like there's great scale yeah. to this movie which you're going to need if you're going to express anything of the sublime you need to have yeah the big uh, set pieces I love his laboratory set piece the house with that huge stairs great yes. like there's so many things and the small changes of like making his mother die a more traumatic death yeah. Of giving birth to his younger brother and that that he cannot bring her back to life. And so he's kind of haunted by this death of like, yes. why do people die? That's his big question. Like, why yeah. do people have to die? Which gives... People who are good. People yeah. People who are pure. Right? Because my mother, I love my mother so mm-hmm. much. She is the best. She's the kindest. Uh, that... Why does this happen? And that kind of fuels his desire fuels for this, which desire. is not really in the book. 
Well, it's, again, it's something that is hinted at, but I don't think is developed powerfully, like, in the same way as is developed in the movie. Well, it's much more like... It seems much more like he wants to be the master of life just for being the master of life in the book. Mm, mm-hmm. Right? But but he sets up these things, too, like, with the electricity. Branagh that- does. Branagh, well, the books mentions it, and so he yeah. takes it and he runs with it. He's yeah. like, "Okay, let's let's have this scene of me putting the lightning rods in the ground," and yeah. and it, it starts so innocent. Yeah, and and he brings out this excitement, this boyish of like, "Oh, I'm learning cool stuff. Look at this working. I knew it would work. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, I can apply it to this, this, and this." Yeah. And then it descends into madness. Then it descends into obsession. Yeah. But at this point, he's happy and he's like, oh, he's sharing it with people. He's not isolating himself, too. Because later, Frankenstein isolates himself to the point where they think he's dead. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But actually, like, side note with Frankenstein, uh, there's some thought that she picked that name because of Benjamin Franklin. Oh, okay. And the lightning rod. Interesting. And the electricity connection. Huh. Frankenstein. Franken, Franklin. It's kind of like what's what would be a, a Germanic version of Franklin. Okay. Frankenstein. Gotcha. Yeah. That kind of... And then then he goes off to university, which we didn't talk about. He goes off to university in the book as well. Mm-hmm. And I just love seeing the details. And this is... Oh, this is why I like Branagh so much. But the... I mean, when Brandon's good. I'm sure he's made some, some crappy movies. But I digress. He puts on the sign above the university, and it, you only see it for a second, but it says, knowledge is power only through God. And the very next scene is Victor arguing with his professor saying, what about this? What about that? And the guy's like, you are a heathen. You are blaspheming. You are the, you know, what are you talking about? That kind of talk will get you put in jail because Victor is interested in all this medieval alchemy Yeah. and all this messing with, you know, creature where, where the, the, this guy's like, well, I, where this is just medical school. Why can't you just learn to anatomy? Yeah. Anatomy. Just, and that, that's the funny thing too, is his friend, they make Clervis his, his buddy, Whereas in the book they grew up together, yeah. But like they make them university friends, uh, where he can't pass anatomy because he just wants to be a doctor. Whereas Clervis in the book is just aimlessly interested in, in medieval literature, like it, it doesn't serve any purpose, right? Whereas I think that could have been another bouncing off of, you mm-hmm. know, like you have the one who just wants to be a, a simple doctor because yeah. he just wants to hang out with the cute daughters of the sick mothers, like yeah, you know, that's all he wants from life. Whereas Frankenstein is like, oh, I need to go yeah. deeper, do more. Again, like with the the deaths, that instead of killing his friend Clervis, uh, at the beginning of the movie, uh, his professor dies. The one that got the closest to doing what he's trying to do. He finds one professor who came really close to what he was doing, and then he got too terrified mm-hmm. of it, and he, he backed away. But Frankenstein kind of convinces him to show all this stuff. Then in a freak accident, the professor is killed. 
Not a freak accident. Well, you know? okay, like 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 a freak, freak act of fate. I don't know. Like it's, yes. it's not like a planned. It's not premeditated. I think the cholera pandemic. Yeah. When was this movie made? 1994. Anyways, the pandemic scene just. I thought I was like. Somebody had some very good artistic vision when it came to people's responses to getting the jab. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It gets, I was it like, gets a little different now, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. That's hilarious. It like, does. So, they, yeah, so they have all the medical students and the, you know, the medical mm-hmm. professors trying to... Control and, this ec- epidemic. And, and uh, vaccinate everyone for cholera. And this guy says, no, I'm not going to do it. And they're like, you have to, otherwise you're going to die and yeah. you're be put, you know... Um, put in jail. Put in jail. It's, it's kind of like, um, it's like, you're, it's like, we could be killed or worse, expelled. <laughs> and then the guy kills the professor. Yeah. Stabs him right in the side. And this is, you know, this is the second death that is horrifying to Victor. Victor. Yeah. Because this was the first person who understood him and, and had his vision. Yeah. And... Now he's he's dead. So this like now he descends into madness of nobody talk to me, nobody look at me. I'm gonna do this. So he yeah. drop he basically drops out of school and yeah. he just does his experiment. But did you notice? I'm sure you did. It's pretty obvious. But I just think it's so cool that he doesn't spend so much time about like you know grave robbing and whatever, but just the right amount of time where. He gets the the body of the man who killed the professor because they caught him and they hanged him. Yeah. Right. And so he's hanging in the square. Frankenstein takes his body, but this man has a wooden leg. So he goes to the mortuary and he gets somebody's leg. And then, in a, in a fit of like terror and like worry, but then he's like, it's just materials, it's just materials. He goes and gets his professor's brain. Yeah. So he puts his professor's brain. In the body that killed the professor. Yes. I thought it was very... Oh! Like, that's that's the thing, people. That's the that. That's the, that's the thing. That's the thing you gotta do, people. Stanley, see this? This is this. This ain't something else. This is this. If you're gonna make Frankenstein. Oh, it's so good! And it is reiterated because the monster... When he wants the bride and ever, like, we're skipping to the end here. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, and then, and, and then, and then Victor's like, sure, I'll make you a bride. And then the monster brings Justine's body. Yeah. This lovely girl who's always loved Victor, and Victor knew that she loved him so much, even though she, he loved Elizabeth. And yet he was still very kind to her and liked her. Mm-hmm. And and so her beautiful, fragile body and the, and the monster's like, here, this is my bride. And he's like, no, that's horrible. Like, you can't make me do that. And then in almost like a snarky way, the monster's like, well, it's just materials. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and so like that connection and that, and that, you know, even, like, the monsters has that moment of, like, when they're in the ice cave and he's having this sit-down of, like, oh, what's life been for me? He asks, like, what am I? Like, what am I? Am I the sum of my parts? And if I am the sum of my parts, 
what does that mean? How can I have this good brain? And how can I have this evil body? And you don't even know part of me. Whose soul am I? Do I have a soul? Do I have a soul? Like, what is did this you thing? forget that? So, it, 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 it's that... Yeah, it just... It's so tight. It just makes it so much better... Than the than, book. Than the book! You know, this breath of, of life and, like, when he animates the, the creature, he speaks it into being. Like, yes, he has all these gadgets going off, but he speaks it into being by saying, live! Live is like a command. Yeah. And so using that word, and then later, again, he looks like right after that has happened, and he thinks he's killed the monster. So in that way, it does work a little bit, because like there yeah. was a kerfuffle, and he thinks he killed it. Yeah, but actually, it's kind of interesting, because he tries to make the creature live, right? And it it's a really interesting scene, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. There's slip sliding in all this amniotic fluid. Yes. Slip sliding away. Slip sliding away. You know, the nearer your destination, the more you slip sliding away. And it's funny and horrific At and gross. S- it's, it's such a it's weird such scene. It's such a mixture, yeah, because you have. So the way that he explains how he gets the creature to live is that he learns about Chinese acupuncture and the energy sources of the body. And then he's also done this experiment with electric eels. And so then he has these like extra electric, like electrified eels. Anyways, so he has this basically this kettle bathtub. What's the thing like that, that takes the oxygen out? Hyperbaric chamber? Yes. Good job. Uh, so he basically has one of those, and it's <laughs> copper, and it's cool. Steampunk. Yeah, so steampunk. But then he also, like, collects all the... Amniotic fluid. Amniotic fluid. And so he's, like, this huge vat... Of sticky, of, gross goo. Oh, I know. And then he puts it in with the... And then he, he sh- like, releases the eels into it, and he has all these metal poles in the acupuncture pressure par- parts... And he charges it with electricity, and <clears throat> that's what... Yeah, and then he spills the vat, though, once the creature comes to life. Yeah. And it, it is it is grotesque. But it's also Del- hilarious, it isn't is it? It is kind of hilarious, where they're slipping, and he's trying to help the, the creature walk, and it's yeah. too big, and yeah. pulling him down, and... And, and then, then it gets tangled up in the wires of the contraption, and yeah. then something hits the monster's head in it and knocks him out. Yeah. And after that... Victor Frankenstein looks in the mirror and says, Oh, God. Yeah. What have I done? What have I done? And that is so important. (laughs) You know, that he thinks he's God. He's speaking it into being, live, live. And then he realizes, oh, I am just a man and I have royally screwed this up. Yeah. But he thinks the monster's dead. He does think the monster's dead, but he's like, okay, he thinks it's dead. And then he writes in his his journal, "This ends the experiment. Like yeah. this, it's it's dead. It's it's over. The creature actually isn't dead. Not dead yet. <laughs> Bring out your dead. Here's one. Nine pence. I'm not dead. What? Nothing. Here's your nine pence. I'm not dead. Yeah. 
He says he's not dead. Yes, he is. I'm not. He isn't. Well, he will be soon. He's very ill. I'm getting better. No, you're not. You'll be stone dead in a moment. And he takes Victor's coat, which has the notebook in it. And yeah. I think that's really clever, that that the, the creature learns how it was created yeah. through the notebook and, and figures out the name of Frankenstein. Because that's not really explained in the book, is it? Like, how he even knows it was Frankenstein that yeah. did it. Yeah. Because Frankenstein has gone off and just cowering, and he got he got yeah. ill. But also, I, I appreciate. See, this is again. We talked about this uh, last week. How apparently in the 19th century, it was really common just to have a fright and just get the vapors and and take ill and pass out and pass out. And I do appreciate that it's, it's like one of Frankenstein's illnesses is, is explained by. The cholera outbreak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now they say like, oh, it wasn't cholera; it was actually pneumonia. Yeah. Uh, probably soaking around in all that amniotic fluid. Well, that's food. what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, that probably didn't help. That's what I was thinking too. But uh, another thing of the movie that just like little changes that I think really improve it, improve the book, is uh, the way that Justine is, is framed. In the book, is that Willie has a, a locket with a portrait of his mother mm-hmm. in it, and because in, in an elaborate backstory, Justine's mother is basically really nasty, and so she looked at uh, Mrs. Frankenstein as you know a surrogate mother and, and loved her, and then when she died, she was so heartbroken that she killed the little boy for the locket. Right. Yeah, that was my reaction, too. <laughs> <laughs> and if you believe that, I got a bridge I want to sell you. <laughs> so, but but in the, in the movie, they set up that Justine has an unrequited love for Victor. Elizabeth comes back with Frankenstein, and they're engaged, and she has a locket with his portrait as kind of a token of, of their engagement, and little Willie says, oh, I want to play with this. And Elizabeth's like, oh, sure, just don't lose it. And then he's murdered by the creature. And then the creature plants that picture of Frankenstein with Justine, which everybody knew that Justine is besotted over mm-hmm. Victor for some reason. Although, although, Branagh's a pretty hot-looking Victor. Like, he's he, shirtless a lot. Yeah, I was I was <laughs> going to try to mention that at some point. Like, he is the buffest oh, yeah. that Victor's ever been. Yeah, in all the centuries. In all the centuries. <laughs> since, since his uh, invention. Yeah. So, that... I don't know if that adds something. It's just I very think it, interesting. I think to, it adds a little likability to Victor. Yes. Uh, I think he's much more manly yes, than Victor is. Yes. Victor in the book is kind of pathetic. Yes. You can't yeah. understand why there's two women who actually want to marry him. Well, there isn't in the book. Justine doesn't. She's much younger. She's like 14. Oh, okay. Uh, and so, but in the, in the movie, they, they age her up so that there's more like, it's like, oh, we grew up together. We were kids together. Well, to begin with, any story of my career would have to include my lifelong friend, Cosmo Brown. 
We were kids together, grew up together, worked together. Yes? Oh, you must have killed the little boy because you just are so upset that yeah. Victor's finally marrying Elizabeth. Yeah. And so that's how she is framed. And then they end, they, they, they do get married, and then, like I said, they, the monster wants Frankenstein to build him his wife. He doesn't. And then he the, the monster kills Elizabeth. Yep. That's pretty standard. That seems to be across the board. Yeah, everybody puts that in. Kills Elizabeth, and now Victor wants to use his abilities to bring back that life. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the idea that he had all along, is that yeah. he wants to... He, he Basically, he can't handle death. Like, he's and he's never, selfish. And he's selfish, and he's never been able to handle the reality of death. Yeah. And so he's just put all his talents into being able to reanimate his life. And so he uses Justine's body, but puts Elizabeth's head on the body. He is trying to remind her, like, oh, you love me, and this yeah. is... And he, so they're dancing, and they're like, oh, okay, and she's, like, really thick and, like, not... Obviously, like, she's just been born. Like, she doesn't quite know what's going on. And then the monster comes up and says, oh, that's that's for me. Yeah. And so they kind of have, like, you know, the, the you know she sees that she looks like the monster and she's horrified by it. But she's like, oh, I look like this guy. And Victor's like, oh, but you love me. Remember you love me? Remember? 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 Say my name. <laughs> Say my name. I know. That was really annoying. <laughs> Say my name. Say my name. And she's like, ah. Uh. And what she does, because she she is, is so disturbed at what has happened, that she takes a oil lamp and she breaks it over her head. And she's consumed in fire. She runs through the house and the whole house is consumed in fire. Yes. Which is so cinematic. Very cinematic. Oh, and it's good Doesn't fire. make any technical sense the way the fire spreads, but that's well, okay. Well, because it's all stone, you mean, or... No, she runs through the house. Yep, yeah, but hallways don't just blow up because you run through the hallway on fire. They had lots of oil lamps. It's like, goosh. You're giving it way too much credit. I know. No, Anyways, it looks really cool. It looks like, very that good. that big staircase, and so... So the conflagration happens. Yes. But that, that's the thing with the movie, though, all the way through, is that these moments are so exciting. Yeah. And they they really get your your heart. Like, they really get you. And, and it's not belabored, but the point, like, the idea of the creature and the, and the creator and all of it's there and, like, asking, like, oh, it's, like, the Adam and... Who am I? And that connection is, is all there and stronger, honestly. Yeah. I think because it is pithier. It, that's partly why. It's stronger. And then and then it ends with, uh, instead of, so it ends with them finding the monster in the, in the North Pole. And, but like, even the threat to mutiny is so much stronger on the ship. In the mm -hmm. movie. Yeah. Uh, but but then you have the the creature there. How does how does it end? Well, Victor dies after telling his tale. Yes. And, and so, so they they're they, gonna 
bury him. They bury him. They read from Ecclesiastes. Vanity of vanities. Yes. So that is amalgamation of Ecclesiastes. But part of what they have there is a very interesting line of with much wisdom comes much grief. Yeah. Which is exactly what we've been talking about. The dangers of knowledge. And uh, it's not actually just one passage. I did try to find it. It's not just one passage of Ecclesiastes. Okay. It's a couple that they mushed together. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I thought that passage was really interesting that Walton reads over the body. Yes. And the the monster is there. Mm -hmm. And uh, quite sad. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it mourns over, and then he, the ice starts to break, and things start yeah. going to awry, and then the the monster decides to light the funeral pyre and pyre 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 decides to sacrifice himself in order to light the funeral pyre, and is consumed in flames with Frankenstein. Yes, and they die together. And so I think that that idea, like, I don't know. They just think they brought all of it so well together. And I I think it's. Yeah. What? Why don't people like it? Yeah. I don't know if he did something before that they really liked or or what. But I, I think it's exciting. I think it understands the book. Like, if you want to understand the book, obviously there's more going on in the book as well. Right. But if you want the book and a movie that's better than the book. I I don't see how you're going to go wrong with I it. I don't I don't see. It's really hard to find a flaw with the movie in terms of how it relates to the book. Yeah. I mean the peasants that he wants to be a part of, he doesn't chop the firewood, he digs up turnips for them, but Yeah. That's like a minor deviation. Yeah, and the the intent is the same. Yeah, the story... And it shows how strong he is, how he's not yeah. affected by cold, and that he cares for these uh, yeah. people who live in the cottage. And it doesn't go into the whole backstory of how, like, there's this uh, Arabian, I think Arabian, or some sort of, like, foreign wife that comes, and how that family has a whole other connection to another exile. You know, oh. so, like, you can, like... There's lots of exiles and, you know, isolations yeah. and alienations and all the Asians. Uh, and so you cut that from the movie. But I really it's liked... It's a movie. Yeah. Well, I think I really... What I, what I appreciate about it is that you see Victor younger. Like, the, like I really liked how they paced the, the, the fall of, of Victor. That yeah. it was... It started where he's just very bright, very enthusiastic... And wants to do big things. Yeah. And then his mother dies and that shakes him up a bit. But he goes off to school and then he's like, okay, I'm going to try to be good at this. And then his professor dies and he's like, okay, I've had it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that descent into a sort of madness is is played really well. Yeah. And considering that you have to stop the movie to be narrated by the the creature like it's always interesting when you have multiple narrators but it can it's really hard it can be yeah it can be really hard because it it can feel like oh we're just screeching this to a halt but they switch it seamlessly yeah 
to the monster's perspective. And then they had that more philosophical talk in the cave of ice, which I thought was cool. I liked that scene. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully this gets you in the, in the mood of spooky time of of monsters and uh, messing with things and, Yes. I don't know. That didn't make any sense. That yeah. was a really bad recap. Go, 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 go make a creature in your bathtub. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, and I, I actually hope, like, not only that you read Frankenstein. I hope, I do hope you read it. Mm-hmm. But I really hope you watch Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, directed by Kenneth Branagh, because I think it's a visually stunning movie. I thought it was fantastic. I think it's great. I, I, I think it's even better if you've read the book. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, People haven't read the book. Yeah, that's what it is. That could be because they're like. Oh. Although, well, my wife has read parts of uh, Frankenstein. Oh, okay. And I keep saying Frankenstein. You do. <laughs> I am not a Frankenstein. I am a Frankenstein. I have one question, Doctor Frankenstein. That's Frankenstein. Anyways, Frankenstein. Um, she thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Okay. So yeah, that's not even a good argument for people. Yeah. Uh, it's got it's got music by by Patrick Doyle. He loves to to bring the the drama. You have to put the movie in context of it's it's a, a retelling of a gothic uh, story like that, and so it's going to have the dun 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 music. It's going yeah. to have the overdrawn of like oh Victor, you know, like of the of Elizabeth going like yeah. oh what what is wrong with you and. You know, like it, it's it's going to be melodramatic to a point, yeah. but I, I don't think it ever gets corny or takes you out of the world it submerses you into. Yes, like it's, it's true to itself. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I, I, I can handle that sort of stuff if you're just consistent. Yeah, I don't know. Like it doesn't take you out of it; it puts you in it. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, like it's it's the book. So it I'm is. like, if if you you have to kind of look at it in the context of the book. It was delightful. Yeah, but I I think it's better by far, and I think it's just those images. He really played up those dramatic moments yeah. and actually made them dramatic, which was always my beef with Frankenstein. Like you had it all there, you had all the pieces, you just didn't put them together. This time we almost made. This time we almost made some sense of it, didn't we, girl? And I feel like Branagh saw the pieces and said, "Look, I can, I can put them together." Yeah. And he did. And I think is a triumph. Mm-hmm. Do I have an idea? Working to that spooky season where you spooky, spooky. need oh. to buy Christmas gifts. What? No, I was going to say, like, we have uh, witch hats. Witch hats so are these. So that you can... Uh, you can, um, I don't know, like, go back to the alchemist, right? Like, that Frankenstein does. Apparently, yeah. those are some bad dudes. <laughs> so, if you want to look, look spooky... Uh, now or forever. Now yeah. or forever. Yep. I mean, they're really cute. I wanted to make something that wasn't so costumey that you could not wear it. And really, I I would be comfortable wearing it out year, 
like making pull, yeah pull. Ma- megan wears them all the time yeah my mom wears them all the time yeah and it's kind of medievalish like they have the pointed hat and that's what i was thinking about yeah. at least so you know again the alchemist you gotta, yeah, gotta they're, get with they're, it so they're, like, they're it's, cool. it's cool it's cool and it's you, cozy you. and it's comfy and it's so it's not just for halloween it's no. for for all season yeah i like them thank you yeah that's my my opinion are you just confirming that now did you just think about that right now i thought about it deeply did you yep stamp of approval no way yeah wow feel so honored good (laughs) all right everyone thanks for listening thank you we'll see you next time no we won't you will we'll talk to you next time yeah there you go and remember Stay quacky.